So this weird thing happened to me the other day. Did I tell you guys about this? I was at 7-Eleven the other day. And I'm in line. I was coming to work. And so I wanted to grab a couple snacks. Okay? Mm -hmm. A couple snacky snacks. I'm having a long overnight shift. Okay? It's tough. So I went to go to 7-Eleven to grab a couple snacks. And there's a lady that's in the line in front of me. And... I don't like to assume people's situation, but like my first thought was that she was homeless because, her, you know, her you know clothes were were not you know exactly new, kind of uh, you know dirty, and she had a, a bag like a like a suitcase that was covered in a, in a garbage bag, right? I assumed to like weatherproof it, right? And right. I'm I'm standing in line behind her, and she's like you know she's pulling out her her cash that she keeps like in a little uh, clear uh, plastic baggie. And I remember looking at her and thinking, you know, I'd love to, to buy something for her, whether it's, you know, some sort of like toiletry or like just pay for whatever. I, I couldn't even see what she was buying. But at the time I was in between paychecks. I was, you know, I didn't have a, a whole lot of cash flow. You know, I'm going to be real about my financial situation <laughs> and I couldn't afford it at, you know, at the time. And this guy behind me unprovoked, you know, I would say maybe like his like late forties, early fifties, he taps me on the shoulder Right, and I'm, I'm I got my headphones on, so I, I pick up my headphone to you know so I can hear what he's saying, and he says, "Hey, do you want to get that for her?" <laughs> and in my mind, like I I couldn't process what, <laughs> like oh. I'd never been asked that question, right? And so like I and I turned to him and I can't believe I said I said, I'm, "Do you?" <laughs> That's probably the first thing I would have said. Right, because like, I'm sitting here thinking, I have never like had someone else volunteer my wallet for charity before. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy. I'd never I'd never had anything like that happen to me. And, you know, the guy, you know, credit to him, said, oh, yeah, that's fine. I'll, I'll get it. But, like, I think it's funny that he, like, opted for me to pay for it before he decided to pay for it. Yeah. That's, like, something that your parents do to you, like, when you're in line, like, go ahead, like, <laughs> yeah, but I'm this like, is a good gesture, but like, he does. I'm like, you don't know my financial situation. I'm broke, okay? Uh, like, why don't you pay for both of us? Exactly. As a matter of fact, all I got is a, is a fruit cup here. You want to buy this one for me, too? Oh, man. It was, I'd, I'd never had anything like that happen in my entire life. It was absolutely crazy. <laughs> And, like, it left, like, a weird taste in my mouth, like, afterwards. Because I'm sitting and like, you know, again, credit to him. He bought her stuff, you know, and she was really happy about it. You know, and I wish I could have given her that, you know, that joy. But. Listen, this, this, <laughs> this, is, this is deeper. You want to know what really happened? What's that? You almost got hustled. Is that what it is? This was a setup. <laughs> you think? Oh, you think the guy and the, and the lady were in? They were, de they were definitely in it together. Like she was like, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna play this role." And the next person that comes in line, just suggest it. See what happens. Yeah, you almost fell for it. So <laughs> you almost got hustled. That was, that was his mom. He brought his mom, like dressed her up in like these you know older clothes and yeah, clothes. Yeah, like, right. lost to them because they both share the same account. So either way, would either way he was paying for it. <laughs> Now that now that you frame it like that, like it's a hustle, it makes a whole lot more sense that he was so forward about offering my wallet for charity. Yeah, man. Oh my goodness. They gotta be doing this at least six days a week. <laughs> Just going to the same Seven Eleven. <laughs> now they rotate. It's too obvious. <laughs> they, they switch roles. <laughs> 
That's like, so what, smart. Like, which one do you want to be today? Yep. Yeah. Go on, man. You gotta stay woke out. <laughs> nah, I just I just washed my jeans. I can't I can't be a homeless person today. You have to come in and step in and do it today. Oh, That's insane. Yeah, that man. makes so much sense though. Cause I was sitting here thinking I was like driving to work. Cause again, I was I was getting my snacks right before work. And I was driving to work. It's not a very long drive. 7 Eleven's right down the street from uh, from my job. Mm-hmm. And the whole time I'm like, man, like did, was I a jerk then? Like, did I <laughs> did I do like some sort of social faux pas? Did like did I mess up here? But I'm I'm glad that you you've opened my eyes to this, yeah, this epidemic that's <laughs> that's come across the, the Lakeland area. This this mother son duo that's that's riding around Polk County. And, yeah, let uh, this serve as a lesson to everybody else out there, man. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> Anyways, on that note, welcome to Somewhat Sports. I'm John Dennis. You may know me from overnights at 97.5 WPCV. Joining me as always, Bubby Johnson, not in studio today. He is on the phone. Thankfully, while he can be, he had a prior engagement, but thankfully he's got some uh, some time to, uh, to lend to us here on the phone. And we also have... Uh, John Williams joining us again as well in studio because yeah. he actually cares about yeah. the podcast. So, this doesn't affect Bobby. my, doesn't affect my uh, anytime minutes, does it? <laughs> it's uh, all right. Just, what was that? I said this isn't going to affect my minutes, is it? No, it's not. You'll be all right. <laughs> okay. I got all you. Right. you. You're still in rotation. Don't worry. <laughs> so right off the bat, I want to talk about Kyler Murray a little bit. Kyler Murray here has announced that he is going to become a full-time NFL football player. <sighs> Smart. Yeah, instead of pursuing a career with the uh, Oakland Athletics. And I see the both sides of the of the whole, you know, debate here cuz when you're in baseball, the, the sport as a whole is safer and you do have guaranteed money on the front end. You know, you already know what you're going to be making with the signing bonus with the A's. And if you're Kyler Murray, you don't know. I mean, you're a shorter quarterback. So there is a possibility that you do drop in the uh, on the draft board, but the ability for you to make top tier money, if you're especially if you're a successful quarterback in the NFL, is more so I think than you know trying to toil around in in uh, the minor leagues for a little while because there's no guarantee you know even if you do play for the Oakland Athletics that you're even going to make it to their major league roster. You could just end up being a double A, triple A player for for your entire career. Right, Kyle Murray. So I think I think he rolled the dice and made a informative decision. I, I think when I first heard about this, I was kind of like why wouldn't you choose baseball like mm-hmm. less of a chance of you getting injured a longer career for you sure guarantee money they make good money then you start looking at what if he makes it into that first round he gets picked and gets that guaranteed salary in the nfl yeah because you technically you can get hurt in both sports so would you rather i think you, you he's getting more if he's if he goes to the nfl right uh, yeah picked. if you if you're picked yeah, it depends on yeah, exactly. It depends on what round you get picked in. But if you're getting picked, especially in a in a draft that isn't necessarily deep at the quarterback position, I think that the only quarterback that maybe uh, could go above Kyler Murray in the draft is Dwayne Haskins. That de- and it really depends on your scouting department and how they see Dwayne Haskins versus Kyler Murray. Because a lot of people say that you know Kyler Murray is a better quarterback. He's very elusive in the pocket. You know, very tremendous athlete. You know, as you can see, he's a, a multi-sport athlete and a very successful one. So I can see the Kyler Murray draft pick being somewhere in the top 10. I can see it, but I also can't see it too. And the reason why is because people bring up his size. Not only are we talking about his height. Right. Will they list him as what? 
Well, they say he's 5'10". So, but, so, oh. so he's 5'7", then. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, like, that could be with, like, platform shoes on. And, you know, I, I, you, I mean, John. You call this guy out about his height lies. Now, what, what if the people listening start doing the same thing about how Florida Southern listed you, John? <laughs> I was just about to ask. I think, they, I think they listed me at my, as my correct height. Did they really? Yeah. I was like, you probably can't lie about that. So yeah, I was like, you I'm, I'm not even going to try to add interest to that, but. Oh, you can. But I, I've seen some guys because uh, I, I mean, I was working in the uh, in the media department for a little while at Florida Southern, uh-huh. and I, I don't know how much uh, Florida Southern did it, but I know some other schools when they would come to Florida Southern, I'd have to they would have the roster listed with their height and their position and all that. Uh-huh. Some of those guys were going out there, and they could they couldn't have been more than like five eight, five nine, and they were being listed as six foot, six foot one. And yeah, like, well, I think <laughs> I, in some cases, I think the coaches want want that to just round up to like that six foot and five eleven. If you really have to have to stretch it, but when you're like when you're five eight five nine, true size, like there's no need to say yeah, I'm five eleven. Yeah. when they see foot. you on the, like they see you on the bench, like yeah. you're not you're five seven. <laughs> yeah, so but back to um, Kyler Murray, like not only is he that size height wise, like. <laughs> He's real skinny too, so yeah, he's, he needs to put some weight on a, a little bit. Yeah, and, I, and I'm wondering how well he can do that. So I mean, the NFL is a totally different beast, and I think it'll be interesting to see like when the when the time comes, like right. where he'll land. Yeah, because it's not it's not like the NBA where you know you have to cut to the basket and putting on an extra 15, 20 pounds is going to be you know the difference between you know how, like how you play your game. I mean, if you're a quarterback, you know your primary job is to sit back in the pocket and throw the football. Right. Then again, though, a lot of the benefit that you have with Kyler Murray is how elusive he is in the pocket. He has a very a very deep drop back. You know, when he sets up to pass, he's he's taking an extra couple of steps so that way he can see over his offensive lineman and be able to survey the field right. because he's so small. So when he's back there, he also uses that distance to kind of get a little creative in the pocket when it comes to feeling out pressure and kind of rolling out, and he does a good job of of that. So whether or not an extra you know, 15, 20 pounds is going to impact his game and his elusiveness in the pocket remains to be seen. But I feel like, you know, what, 15, 20 pounds isn't going to be that big of a deal when it comes to outrunning, you know, a guy who's 270. I wouldn't even be surprised if he ends up being the number one overall pick for the Cardinals. Do you think after using the 10th pick last year that they're going to draft another quarterback with the first round pick? You you know, it's... Especially like Kyler Murray? I mean... I know. I, I don't know. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury has come out and said that Kyler Murray is a number one overall pick, that he's talented enough to be a number one overall pick, and if he had the number one overall pick, he would take him. That was before he knew he was going to (laughs) be in the position to have the number one overall pick when he was still supposed to be working at uh, University of Southern California. So who knows? I mean, at that point, you kind of have to put your money where your mouth is, right? If if you don't. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's almost like saying, you know, you know, if I had some extra money, I'd go buy you lunch. And then when I'm in a position and I have the money, do I still I, – I don't really think that he's going to follow through with – I feel like you can't give up on Rosen after one year, especially not when there's defensive guys that the Cardinals clearly need to address on that side of the ball. I just – I feel like they address the defensive end before they take a, a reach on Rosen. Do you know what I mean? Like, we've all, we've all made empty promises when we weren't in the position to fulfill them. And then – 
kind of been called out about it when given that chance. I, I would be really surprised if the Cardinals pick. pick so, so what you're saying is you're not a man of your word, Bubby, because that's what it sounds like. Because I know if I were in that position, I would do what I said I, w- I was going to do because I'm a man oh. of my word. And but. that's and that's kudos to you. I, I, <laughs> I convince you on that. But I also never said the same thing. And I, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it has nothing to do with me fulfilling my, the, you know, my word. I just being realistic, and I and I think it's going to be a lot more than just his say on on what they do with that number one pick. Right. I, you know, I I would be surprised if they do anything other than defense with that number one pick. Yeah, I mean, they, their defense could use a, a little bit of help. Their defense was not very good last year, um, but Josh Rosen also wasn't very good last year. So, how much of that was because of the coaching, and how much of that was just Josh Rosen not being able to run a NFL offense is, yeah, I mean, it remains to be seen. But if Clink, if Cliff Kingsbury really likes his chances with or his offense with Kyler Murray at the helm, why wouldn't he? You know, you can still recoup some value on that Josh Rosen pick, even though he's you know one year off of his rookie deal. It's still a pretty cheap contract, and if someone else looks at at him and says, "Hey, you know, I I can possibly you know mold this guy into being a a, a reliable and competent." NFL starter, you can recoup some of that value if you're the Arizona Cardinals and get the guy you really... Because what's the point? If you don't think that Josh Rosen is the guy for the future, then why wouldn't you just say, like, hey, I think I can build around this guy. Let me let this guy who I already have, who we've already seen can't do it, you know, or if I believe he can't do it, why wouldn't you just pick Kyler Murray and and just cut the losses while you can? Yeah. Well, because if, if you already make this attempt in the first year, now the second year, either he has to come out and be the guy that you're looking for, because if not now, with two years, I've spent a 10th pick and the number one overall pick and getting quarterbacks with two new coaches, two new systems. Like From a Cardinals fan base and, you know, even other guys on the, on the team, on the roster, especially with, you know, now you got Larry Fitzgerald saying that he'll come back for another year. It's almost like, well, what am I supposed to, you know, like, what are guys really supposed to do? How much are they, how much are they responsible for putting up with as well? Like how many, how many new test runs are we going to sit through for you to find your guy? You know what I mean? I feel like one year after a guy's rookie season, especially that early, like it'd be different if you take the guy in the second or the third round and you're trying something out because of injuries. But you, with the investment that you've already made, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's a, it's a big risk, especially with some of the defensive names that's out there that you can potentially grab and build a defensive build your defense around. I, I just don't know if using your second first-round pick, the number one pick, on another quarterback is really the best option. Okay. Well, I mean, if you, let's look at the other some of the other top uh, draft order teams who might be picking Kyler Murray. Uh, you know, number two is the 49ers. I think that they are pretty comfortable with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, the Jets obviously just picked Sam Darnold. He had an okay season. Obviously not great, but he definitely showed some signs of competent quarterback play. Yeah. Uh, the Oakland Raiders is where it gets a little interesting because Derek Carr just signed an extension not too long ago. But since he had that injury to his leg, he has not looked very good. Now, how much of that is coaching versus how much of that is you know a mental thing versus how much of that is just Derek Carr isn't very good and we thought that he was better than he actually was you know remains to be seen but they finished with a record of four and 12 and you know Derek Carr might be on the on the chopping block. Do you think that maybe they say, hey, we'll do one more year, Derek Carr, and see if that works, and we'll draft Kyler Murray behind him and see if maybe, you know, if it doesn't pan out with Derek Carr one more year, you sit Kyler for a year and unveil him the year after when Derek Carr inevitably, you know, 
messes the bed? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I said, there's, there, I think that's a good fit, a good plan, you know, because clearly with trading away Khalil Mack, um, you know, Amari, they've got obviously some plans for down the road. You know what I mean? They're not in win now status whatsoever. It doesn't, it doesn't look like it at least. So. And Oakland has three first-round picks in this draft, by the way. Sorry to interrupt you, but three first-round picks. So you get a quarterback you like, and then maybe you know spend some on you know the defensive end, and you even have another first round pick for you know whatever player is best available. I, there's gonna and right around that pick, there's a, there's actually a lot of quarterback needs. I mean, you got the Giants, Jags, all falling behind. My Redskins are even up on the list with you know the news of Alex Smith and we drafted 15. I feel I've seen a lot of mock drafts that actually have uh, Kyler Murray landing to the Redskins at 15, which. Undersized quarterback, again, I don't really know. I mean, the, the mobility definitely helps, and we need everything we can get. But uh, I think those – I think around that area is where is where we'll see a lot of – we'll, we'll see the quarterbacks go. And I think right. Murray is included. Yeah, I think it really depends on how John Gruden feels about Derek Carr. If he's going to take a quarterback in this draft, I think he needs to take it with this pick, regardless of whether or not he feels like Kyler Murray – is going to be the guy, or Dwayne Haskins is going to be the guy, because like you said, you have the Giants behind them, the Jaguars behind them, uh, you know, so at that point, you really think that both of those quarterbacks will probably be taken by six and seven, and even, you know, when you look at the Denver Broncos also have, and they, they just traded for Flacco, that, you know, news break, by the way, that just came out today, <laughs> Joe Flacco has been preliminarily traded to the Broncos. I guess they can't officially trade him until the trading season begins, but they've agreed in principle to send uh, Joe Flacco to the Broncos for uh, for a fourth-round pick. But again, he's an older quarterback, so if, if John Elway wants to plan for the future, he might also draft a quarterback there and let Joe Flacco uh, lead the team this year and then have right. whoever they draft be the, the understudy to him. So I, I, just, I think that there might be a run on quarterbacks after the Oakland Raiders, and if the Oakland Raiders feel comfortable taking one of these quarterbacks, I think they'll take them with that fourth overall pick because you know after that the picks are kind of towards the end of the uh, the end of the draft, and you're not I don't think you're going to be able to get a Kyler Murray or a Dwayne Haskins in the in the twenties where the Oakland Raiders have their second and third first round picks. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I, I'm interested to see. I think it's a good decision by Kyler Murray. I think that. The the position of quarterback is safer than it has been in the past, and the endorsement deals that you can get being a top end of the draft quarterback, you know, you get that first off that first round, top of the first round signing bonus is really, really nice. Better than probably anything you can get from the athletics. And on top of that, you know, there's no guarantees that he's going to get out of the minor league if he goes to Oakland and their farm system. So, you know, props to Kyler Murray. I think he made a, a good call here. And there's and what's to say, you know, three years in, they bench him because he, he hasn't performed at the NFL level. He's still going to be, what, 25? That's not – I mean, Tim Tebow can restart his career. Then I think Kyler Murray can restart his career in minor yeah. league baseball. So – Baseball is a lot easier to get back into than football would be. Exactly. I think, I think you took the route. Right. I think so too. And the only thing I could see it would be some sort of, you know, devastating injury. But even then some of those injuries, you know, that might prevent you from playing football, you could still end up doing all right on the on the baseball field. So, transitioning, I know we already talked about Joe Flacco going to the Broncos uh, a little bit earlier. We touched on that. But I do want to dive a little bit deeper into that discussion. 
The Broncos did not finish this year very good. Uh, six and ten record on the year, definitely kind of disappointing. That defense not as good as it has been in the past, not as dominant as it has been in the past. It's not a bad defense. It's still, I would say, a pretty good defense, but the level of quarterback play has just decimated that offense. That offense was terrible, and when you looked at how well Case Keenum did in a Minnesota Vikings uniform, you thought, well, maybe. He might do something with the Denver Broncos. They did have some good pieces with Emmanuel Sanders, and they had, uh, at one point, Demarius Thomas before they ended up trading him. I, do you think that Denver becomes a, a contender now with, with Joe Flacco at the helm? When you say contender. I mean, <laughs> you, you would think they're competing for, for an AFC West. Okay. Like wild card spot. Not, not, I don't think they would compete for a division. I mean, then again, I mean anything could happen year to year in the NFL. Uh, but when you look at how dominant the Chiefs were this year and how good the Chargers were this year, I mean, Phillip Rivers could fall off next year. He's, good. He's not any younger than he was this year. But Phillip Rivers hasn't really shown a ton of sign of slowing down. So he could keep it up for another year or two, I would think. So you'd have to think they'd have to go for an, a, an AFC wildcard spot because one of those two teams is going gonna, is gonna to take, I think, the AFC West crown. Do you think that the difference between Case Keenum and Joe Flacco is, you know, an extra three or four wins on a, on a season? Maybe give them to nine and seven, ten and six? What you're asking for, I think, is possible for them to, to get that wild card spot. I think they're taking a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is hard to, to tell now how they'll be. Right. Yeah. I mean, you still have to go through the draft and see, you know, what holes they fill and how good other teams get. Mm-hmm. The. The Denver Broncos have a pretty solid rushing attack now. That was kind of uh, not as great last season. Uh, but this past season, the emergence of Philip Lindsay has helped a lot. We'll see. <laughs> Cortland Sutton's not a bad wide receiver. I think that uh, Emmanuel Sanders still has some gas left in the tank. And Joe Flacco, his skill set really revolves around throwing the ball downfield. And Emmanuel Sanders is a really good downfield receiver. Cortland Sutton's not too bad either. Of course, he was just a rookie this year, so he has some development still to do. But not too bad. Uh, their defense is very good pass rushing. Their linebackers are okay. I think that their secondary is much more vulnerable than they have been in years past. They don't have you know keep to leave anymore, obviously, and some of those guys they had on the on the defensive uh, backfield. But you can address some of that in the draft. This is a very good <laughs> defensive draft. Let's say let's say the Raiders do pick up. Kyler Murray, does your argument still stand? Do you still feel the same way? Uh, I don't think that them drafting Kyler Murray would vault them into the top of the AFC West. I don't think that's the difference between them because they don't have any real weapons, I think, on the offensive side of the ball like they used to. I mean, Amari Cooper was their best offensive weapon, and they they sold them for picks, which, you know, it could work out for them in in the future. They're not not in win-now mode. I don't think that they're going to be doing it anytime soon personally mm-hmm. i think that this is like a two three years down the road project for the oakland raiders maybe you know the chargers fall off because philip rivers is getting older you know what's another two three years on philip rivers's body you know i think that's that's what their mindset is right you know and patrick mahomes is still really young uh i think that andy Reid will be out of the nfl before patrick mahomes is you know patrick mahomes based on what we've seen barring any sort of injury that I mean, that kid is talented, and I can see him playing for the next you know five to ten years. I don't know how old Andy Reid is, but he's not a spring chicken. He's been <laughs> in the league for a long time. 
So I would say that that's that's more going to be the hurdle you have to go through. So I don't know. I I think the Raiders are still a while away from being from being contenders because they have so many holes on on both sides of the ball, both offensively with no wide receivers. I think their best running back was who Doug Martin. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here. Okay. Ooh. Like no no offense to the muscle hamster. Okay, but he's not that good. All right, maybe you can fill some of these holes with the with your three first round picks, but three first round picks does not make a full team. So I think they still have a lot of work to do. I would say that it is possible that the Denver Broncos can get back into AFC West contention in the next two or three years. I think it's possible. I say more so than than the Oakland Raiders, but the Oakland Raiders again. I, you got you signed John Gruden to a ten year deal. You got plenty of time with John Gruden to figure it out. You know, I don't think that it's going to be anytime soon, though, for the Oakland Raiders. Now, one team I am excited for, and I think that the entire city of Cleveland will agree with me. <laughs> is I don't know about the entire the city. <laughs> well, I think that maybe like half. Objectively, <laughs> objectively, their team is better than it has been. They are. They signed Kareem Hunt, and I feel morally gray about it. I saw the video. It's gross, and he's come out and you know said the right things on the PR side. I, I feel like I said morally gray because it's disgusting, and a lot of times you you look at that and you're like, man, I don't want to see someone who's capable of doing that be successful. Like I just don't. It feels bad to say because I feel like everyone deserves some sort of you know, redemption and second chances. Right. But, you know, and I feel the same way about the whole Joe Mixon thing and Tyree Kill and all the all these other situations that you've had in the NFL. And what's the difference between Kareem Hunt and Ray Rice, right? Is it just uh, 10 years in the NFL? Go ahead, Bobby. No, I mean, listen, like I said, one thing I always try to be very, I think is very important is, you know, it's, we don't always know exactly what, what everything happened. But judging off of those two videos, the Ray Rice, I mean, listen, putting your hands on a female, regardless of, you know, how violent or how aggressive is an issue. But there, that Ray Rice video was a, a lot harder to watch for me than the Kareem Hunt. I mean, to to a degree, I, sure. Like, when it comes to, like, the – I mean, I haven't seen any pictures of what of what the the lady that uh, Kareem Hunt was, was involved with uh, looked like afterwards. You know, I, I don't see the medical report or anything like that. Um, and I did see the Ray Rice video, and yes, that was that was disgusting, and it looked really, really bad. But like, wh- where do you where do you draw the line? Like, how many punches does it take to get between Kareem Hunt and Ray Rice? And is that the arbitrary line at which you know you put the the NFL career of someone at? The, you know, depending on how good they are versus how many punches they threw. Like, that's the thing. Like, at the end of the day. You are a 200 plus pound NFL player. You've your 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 hits hurt, okay, more so than just the average person. And the average person, it's already wrong, right? You know, so, so if it was a kicker, would it be as bad? If like if it was like a, a little kicker, no, even I mean the, the, uh, the John Brown thing with uh with um the New York Giants where he had uh, um where he had gone on record as saying yes i did hit my my wife and he's no longer in the league either and he was you know quote a little kicker you know it's not it's not right any way you slice it you know but the thing is that at what point 
at what point is it okay for you to say, okay, that's fine. You, we feel comfortable that you've done all the things you need to do to rehabilitate your yourself and your image. And now, like, it's been two months since this Kareem Hunt thing happened. But there's still no suspension handed out yet, right? No, there. Well, they will. they were they indefinitely suspended him. He could be out. He, they signed him, but he could not play. You know, ten to twelve weeks, or even maybe a full season. You know, they would still retain control for the season after that, if that were to happen. But it's just to me, it's like it's icky because, yes, like I understand the thought process of like, hey, we want to win now. Right? Yeah. There's more promise in Cleveland's football program than there has been in years. And they, I mean, yes, they already have Nick Chubb. They already have Duke Johnson. So it, they didn't really it, need a running back? It yeah, it doesn't. It, it almost seems forced. Like, I don't even know. I don't even know what the need. Like, I was expecting, like, the Bucks or, you know. The Jets, maybe, or someone like that. Yeah. A more I, running I back needy team. <laughs> I, I didn't really expect. Cleveland to take that. To me, it just seems like as long as you don't, and I, you know, I, I know we don't like to get too too political or anything like that, but it just seems like as long as you don't kneel, you could kind of do whatever else you want with your body as long as you don't, you know. Yeah, it, as long does, as you stand up, it, it does seem like like the line is, uh, you know, it, it almost seems like it's more from a monetary standpoint because with the whole Colin Kaepernick thing. There was obviously a lot of polarization, you know, one side versus the other. And at the end of the day, that's going to hurt the pocketbook of whoever decides to sign him because right. certain people feel so passionately about the issue that they're not going to, people who would normally buy the NFL product aren't going to buy the NFL product any longer. Whereas if you look at domestic violence issues, the people who are most adversely affected by them are women who tend to not really be the demographic that right. the NFL advertises to. Yes, they would like for everyone in the world to enjoy the NFL product, but at the heart of it, they're advertising to men between the ages of, you know, 18 and, you know, 60, basically. Right. You know, who they look at these domestic violence issues. And yes, you know, they all have mothers and sisters and daughters, et cetera, et cetera. But when you are not a, a woman, it doesn't affect you generally speaking, as strongly as if you are a man. And I feel like that's how they get around it. They do all of these think tanks and case studies and says, hey, if we sign this guy, yes, there's going to be public outlash on the front end. But at the end of the day, these men between the ages of 18 and 60 aren't going to feel as strongly about taking a moral stance against, you know, the Browns signing this guy as opposed to signing Colin Kaepernick. Right. I think it's just that simple. <laughs> it really it really seems like it. Yeah. You know, and if if I wonder if Tom Brady is out there taking a knee against, you know, what what they feel is social injustice, mm-hmm. are Boston fans walking away from the Patriots franchises that's won, you know, countless Super Bowls over the last 20 years? Like where do you draw that line? Yeah. You know, like the winning versus, you know, what you feel to be respectful versus disrespectful of, you know, our national anthem and the flag, mm-hmm. you know? So, 
Well, I've seen the hat he keeps in his cubby. I don't think that will be an issue. That <laughs> no, I don't think he's going to be the one who's going to who's going to be doing that. I'm just saying, as a yeah. as someone who is uh, proven to be a successful quarterback, someone who and, and you have to say the Boston sports following is cult like at this point, just because of how much winning they've been doing. The bandwagon is so strong. These fans have known nothing but winning, so they're always excited about their teams because they win so many you know so many championships all the time in all of their sports. You know, at, at what like what what level of player do you have to be where that guy is still on an NFL roster? You know, on both ends of the issue. You know, obviously you see Kareem Hunt was a very successful running back, one of the top, you know, I would say five to ten running backs in the NFL. Took him two months after hitting, you know, a girl pretty viciously. I saw the video; it's pretty bad. Before he was back in the league. Mm-hmm. You know, but again, that's there's a lot of axes there, whether it's like, you know, what the issue is versus how much value you bring to the franchise from a wins and losses perspective versus, you know, and he's cheap now. Also, he cleared waivers. He's no longer on a, on a rookie uh, deal. He's I think they're paying Kareem Hunt one million dollars for this season. So. Yeah, NFL is cheap. I'll definitely take a million though. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I know you would take a million dollars playing the NFL. I'm just saying, you know, as far as the value that Kareem Hunt is bringing to the franchise, you know, it, it's and and John Dorsey, who is the the GM or uh, you know of the of the Cleveland Browns, he's known for making these kind of business decisions over morality decisions. Uh, you know, when it comes to the bottom line of of winning football games, he's the guy who ended up signing Tyree Kill on the. Uh, on the Chiefs when he was when he was working for the Chiefs, so you know he's there are a lot of these executives, and it was interesting to me, you know there were a lot of executives who put the wins over you know the PR backlash. You know Greg Hardy had a job in the NFL after all that stuff that came out about him, mm-hmm. and Jerry Jones was like, nah, but he's a good pass rusher, so we're gonna bring him in anyway. Yeah, you know so. I don't know. It's it's interesting to me the the moral dilemma that the NFL finds itself in. They keep trying to butt into. And it's so irritating to me because they're not good at it. That's exactly what it is. Because if you look at any other league who deals with situations like this, they always seem to be somewhat consistent with as far right. as like the punishments. Mm-hmm. You pretty much know what you're expecting in other leagues as a player if you do X, Y, and Z. Exactly. NFL, uh, you you probably think you can get away with it. And if you don't, you can bring up another situation where somebody has right and go against the NFL and say, hey, you know, you gave him this. Why am I getting this penalty? So right. You got to kind of, it's up to the NFL to change that dynamic between yeah. players. And and it's, it's insane to me that the difference between player A, player B versus situation A versus situation B. I mean, Zeke got a six-game suspension. You know, of course, it was he fought it, and then it appealed, and then unappealed, and then reappealed, whatever it was. Um, and he ended up coming down with a six-game suspension, even though he was never formally charged by any sort of governing law body. Right. Right. So where is the NFL coming in saying like, oh, like, well, you've been convicted or you've been charged with yada 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 from you know a law enforcement perspective, so that you know by that definition, this is where we have to to suspend you. And then these guys come out and they have nothing but video evidence against them, and they get you know a ten game suspension or a four games. Like the the rules aren't consistent, and it's so infuriating. Like they need to just buy the book. These are the situations that are laid out. This is how many games it costs you based on whatever situation, and have it be a consistent thing. Because I mean, even our own legal system does not get it right in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, 
what what makes the NFL think that they can <laughs> do the same thing? Money. I guess. Greed, pretty much. I guess. That one person who has that advantage as far as money goes to say, hey, you know, if you if you do this, <laughs> please believe that we're cutting cutting you off on on this on this revenue that you're getting. So I, I don't know. Money has a lot to do with it. The owners have a lot of power in the NFL, doing things behind the scenes, and I think that dynamic does need to change. So you know, I think so too. I think I think everyone at the end of the day would just like some consistency, one way or the other, when it comes to player behavior versus repercussions for that behavior and what the expectations are right. going forward. Because one minute it's one thing, one minute it's the next. If you have a, a blanket justification for whatever the situation is then i think that the fans would be more receptive to that and you wouldn't get all this outrage all the time right when it comes to these situations because when you look at you know even these drug infractions that these guys get you know why is a guy getting the same kind of infraction for failing a a drug test for marijuana versus you know hitting a a a girl Mm -hmm. and having it be like on video where he like violently hits a, a woman who is obviously like one third of the guy's size, and they're getting the same punishment. Yeah, come on, <laughs> come on. I think we've got it. It's 2019, okay? I'm not advocating for any sort of of you know drug use or anything like that, but we can all say that like the, <laughs> the use of, of marijuana is not the same as hitting uh, a girl in you know in the face or hitting a girl at all. Yeah. You know, it's just the the inconsistencies just drive me up a wall. But let's pivot away from the NFL. A little bit and let's talk some nba basketball a lot of moves at the trade deadline we haven't talked a whole lot about trade deadline stuff but one of the interesting things that i saw was tobias harris going to the 76ers and i personally think along with a lot of other major media members that that possibly propels the 76ers into the favorites out of the east bubby what do you think i i like to move a lot because it gives them an upgrade, you know, they, they had a lot of confidence in Wilson Chandler playing the four uh, for them. Kind of, you clearly need another shooter to space the floor because of what Ben Simmons lacks. So, you know, it does help Tobias Harris clearly. I still am really big on, I, I like the Raptors. I like the move that they've made. I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on that as well. You know, I think they have a complete roster just because you have skill in every position doesn't really make it a complete roster just because you still have to find where people fit on the court and things like that. But I like the Raptors. I like the Bucks a lot as well. I think they made another good move to kind of space the floor for them. Um, I mean, clearly the Sixers are, are a great team and obviously one of the favorites uh, in the East. But I still think that top four teams, it's almost too – it's almost too – it's almost not clear enough or too competitive for me to make a selection of who I like best in the East. John? Yeah, I think – like Bubby said, I think the Raptors and the Bucks are probably my two favorite choices. Now, on paper, 76ers definitely got better. They definitely do look good on paper. You still got J.J. Redick hitting amazing shots. Tobias, I think, is over-delivering on what people expected him, especially on his first couple of games there. I think he's doing great as a, as a player who has just got settled in. But um, in the long term, in the East, I don't know if their team dynamic with Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. Ben Simmons literally not shooting anything. <laughs> he shot his arc. first three the other day. It yeah. missed, but he shot it. But God, I mean, guys are like 
it's it's getting ridiculous now. Like guys are waiting in the paint for him when he's dribbling up top, and there's no. It's, it's probably not going to change all season. So when you get into the playoffs and things start to slow down, and you can no longer get as many fast break points as you as you usually do, there I feel like they're going to have some issues. Now, granted, they do have a big guy in um, in B that you can give it to, and he can definitely create inside, and he's going to cause havoc for a lot of teams. But overall, you still got to look at who the who the Raptors got and who the um, who the Bucks picked up, and I still think they're the two at the top in the East. Yeah, I think the Milwaukee Bucks definitely definitely got better, and they are a team to look out for in the East, especially with Giannis kind of just getting into like the super superstar role. Mm-hmm. You know, he was kind of on the cusp of like, hey, was, yeah, he's pretty good. You know, this is a guy to, to watch out for. And now he's just like, I mean, he's one of the MVP candidates uh, this season, and he has a, a good chance of getting it, especially since he is the best player on a on a surprise team that no one really expected to be. You know, towards the top of the East. Yeah. Um. So they're they're definitely a team to look out for. Is is there no hope for the Boston Celtics at this point? Because I feel like now the conversation has has shifted where those three teams have kind of separated themselves. Even though the Celtics made it to the Eastern Conference Finals last year with arguably on paper a worse roster than they have right now. So like <laughs> what do you what do you do with that? Are 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 the Celtics just kind of, you know, fourth uh fourth in the East and just really don't have a realistic shot of making it all the way with the way their their roster is constructed and the way their guys are playing? I say you leave Kyrie on the bench and see see how far they go. You think so? Is those, that, I mean, those, say that out loud. Like, you hear yourself. Leave Kyrie Irving. Yeah. It's, he's one of the best point guards in the league. Do you, like... It sounds crazy because you're taking a guy that is clearly the best player on the team and you're saying, don't play him. Yeah. That's what I'm and saying. you're telling me they're better. <laughs> but but you got to look at... You, there's other factors in, into how successful they are. And it seems like those young guys that come in, Rogier, um, Tatum... When they when they're playing without Kyrie, they have a different type of game that you see on that mm-hmm. on that court. So I can't say that they'll make it as far as they did last year, but right. I say is Kyrie still hurt right now? Yeah, he's out. Okay. I, yeah, I mean, but I'm sure he'll be healthy for the playoffs. It's a long road to from now to then. So by, by, a lot of people are gonna rest before all star break. It doesn't really make too much much sense to force a, a right. you know a game back and stuff. I just think it comes down to knowing your role and knowing what you're supposed to do, which is another reason why I like the Raptors over over the Sixers. Right. I just feel like that with that with that Celtics roster, a lot of those young guys don't know where they are. You know where they belong. What what's expected of them? They feel like you know it's it's tough when you have such a loaded roster. Like you know that's why once again I give the Warriors so much credit because they do have such dynamic players at every single position, but people know where they fit in right. and, and, it, and it works. And that's a big thing. You know, I just don't, I don't think the Celtics have that right now. You know, they said that they had way more fun playing last year and that's a big part of the game. You got, if you're not enjoying it, you're, you're not, you're just not going to work as hard. Yeah. And that makes sense. I, and I think that the same thing could be said for the 76ers. I mean, on paper, a lot of these, you know, moves make sense for them getting some more outside shooting, um, and Tobias Harris, I, I think that they've already had. I mean, they score really well. Okay, they have. I think all five of their starters average over 17 points per game, which is tremendous. I think they're the only team in the NBA that that is the case. 
which is a, a good thing, obviously, if you're scoring a lot of points. But as far as team chemistry goes, Jimmy Butler has been a good addition to the team, but are like they were already, I think, having trouble, man- like you said, managing the expectations of the individual pieces on the roster with Jimmy Butler. And now there's already a, like, there's another guy who needs to have the ball in his hands fairly often. And Tobias Harris, do you think that that is going to cause more trouble with that roster of players and, and, and trying to get everyone their fair share of the basketball and still having a productive team? I think it has to happen. I mean, Jimmy, you know, like you said, when he first got there, he said that he didn't really know, you know, he wants the ball it's just he doesn't really know his, his position with the team. He doesn't know what his role is. He's trying to fit in. I think he's he's getting Ben Simmons to play a lot better defense. I think that's, I mean, you know, having a guy like Jimmy is, is clearly going to help. You know, you're putting you're putting more pieces around, but when guys don't know where they're supposed to be or what's, what's asked of them, it's tough. And Tobias was having, I mean, honest, people were talking about how Tobias got snubbed being an all-star. And now you kind of put him on a team where he is the, you know, now he's the, fourth option it's difficult to me i feel like too many times people say those paper rosters because you know it's a copycat league you see one you see one team do it you you want to emulate you know their success but there's a lot that goes into it that we don't see and i just i i'm not a huge i I like the sixers but i'm not a huge believer in you know them coming out of the east do you think that steve kerr gets more coach of the year votes this year now that all these other kind of superstar rosters are coming together and not working as well as the Warriors have? Do you get more respect for Steve Kerr? Like I've, I don't think I've ever lost it because it takes, like I said, like what the, I think the Sixers are missing is somebody to guide them and say, hey, this is your role. This is how we're going to do it. You know, we, you, we expect this from you. Mm-hmm. Steve Kerr has been able to do that with every iteration of the Warriors that there was. I think some could say that the Celtics are now lacking that. Is Brad Stevens as good of a coach as we thought he was? Right. But I think that's a. I think I. I don't think I've ever lost respect for for Steve Kerr. Now, granted, he did get handed that team, but right. You hey, gotta, you yeah, gotta, I, was, I was making sure we were gonna give give my boy his credit. Of course, man. <laughs> but for but for sure, you gotta maintain that. You you got you gotta maintain that. Yeah, I it's personally, I think that there was. A lot of talk a couple of, I want to say like two years ago, when Steve Kerr was having some medical issues and Luke Walton stepped in and the team percentage-wise, win percentage-wise, did better under Luke Walton than mm-hmm. they did under Steve Kerr. And there was a lot of talk about how much Steve Kerr has input into these, you know, into these Warriors wins. You know, how much of it is the the players going out and doing what they need to do, you know, and how much of a role that coaching plays in that. I mean, you've seen, you know, some of these LeBron-led teams where LeBron is basically the de facto coach. And, you know, he thought David Blatt was kind of getting in the way of that. So next thing you know, he's on a plane to, uh, to Europe, you yeah. know. So... They brought in Tyron Lue, who, you know, was fired basically after right after LeBron left. So there has always been talk as to how much of a role coaching takes in the or in the NBA, I was gonna say NFL, in the NBA. And I think that all of these super teams that have kind of coalesced in the NBA as of recent, you know, not necessarily as star studded as Golden State is, but I mean, the 76ers roster is really, really good. You know, it has a lot of really big names on it now. 
especially also, you know, looking at the Boston Celtics, a lot of name power also on that team and teams that are underperforming with that name power on the roster. So to me, not that I've ever lost respect for Steve Kerr, but seeing this similar experiments fail around the NBA has given me even more respect for Steve Kerr. Yeah, but there's never been a team like the Warriors, so... I mean, no. I, I wouldn't put him up there in like, as like one of the greatest uh, in the in the league right now. But I definitely have respect for him for doing what he's doing and being able to maintain that. Right. Because let's be real, this is what we're talking like pretty much five all stars. Right. Well, that starting. that at that point, I think that it gets into the discussion of as far as coaches go, how much of an effect being an X's and O's guy is versus being a leader of men. Now, when it comes to, like, you know, in the NBA, like, top, like, leaders of men where you can just kind of get everyone galvanized and say, hey, focus, do what you have to do, and just be the best player you can be in this role, I think Steve Kerr kind of takes the cake there. Now, when it comes to, like, X's and O's and drawing up, like, hey, this is what, you know, we need you to do, and, like, just executing plays on the court, you know, guys like Brad Stevens and Greg Popovich, and, you know, I think, you know, I'm a little biased, but Eric Spolster also, I think, fits in, in that discussion as well. Yeah. But I think a big factor in coaching is stuff that we as fans don't see. So right. it's that behind the scenes. It's what you do to prep before games. It's, it's what you do during practices, how you right. run your practices, how you let your guys rest. Everything that goes into it, by the time you see him in his suit at the game, everything is pretty much done. Right. So it's hard for us to to, to kind of gauge that. Mm-hmm. But um, The only way I, you can really gauge it is wins and losses. Yeah. Really. <laughs> So maybe he is a really good coach at prepping these guys, making sure they're ready to go, making sure they're all motivated, dealing with uh, confrontation in the locker room. Maybe he's really good at that, but we don't see that side of, of coaching. So Right. Will that get you a Coach of the Year uh, nomination if you're just a guy who's really good at managing schedules? And <laughs> If your team's winning, man, it's most likely going to be the team that's top two or three. So. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Anyways, uh, that's all I got. Anybody else got anything? Uh, we can do predictions real quick for the All Star Weekend. All Star Weekend, that's right. What a what a great decision, in my opinion, by the NBA making it the weekend after <laughs> Valentine's Day. You say, "Honey, Thursday, even Friday, okay, is for us, is for you." Got the chocolate, got the flowers, take you out on a nice romantic dinner. Yes. But come 8 p.m. Friday, <laughs> we are back in the house. I got the futures game. I got. I got to watch. I got. <laughs> That's what makes Valentine's Day so much better. <laughs> it's like just looking forward to this weekend. Yeah, honey, don't talk to me. It's you know Saturday. I got the uh, the three point contest. <laughs> and then Sunday. You listen to the to the podcast, right? Yeah. Are you sure you're going to be saying? She doesn't listen to the trouble? podcast, man. That's come on. Okay, all right. I'll just, just make it short. <laughs> nah, I uh, you know. She's she knows me. She knows uh, that the the sports time is is my time, and and I, I have just have to devote every time that's not sports time to her, and I, I feel okay doing that. It's I don't mind it. But come Friday, <laughs> eight p.m., she knows it's uh, it's game on. Yeah. What uh? So, so predictions. What are we what are we talking here? Well, we don't need to talk about everything. I don't think anybody cares about the skills challenge. So Dwayne Wade should come back and do the skills challenge. Probably. He won like three times, right? I I know he won for sure back in I think two thousand nine. And, He's uh, won more than once. I know that, but I really don't care about the skills challenge, to be honest. 
That's fair. Because <laughs> you, you just assume that Dwayne Wade is the best. So you're like, why are we going to even go through the whole thing, right? Honestly, if they had to do away <laughs> with one and get something else, that would be the that, Would that be the one you're, you're tired yeah. of? Yeah. But I, for the three-point contest, so they have Devin Booker, Seth Curry, Steph Curry, Danny Green, Joe Harris, Buddy Heald, uh, Damian Lillard, Chris Middleton, Dirk, <laughs> Kemba, <laughs> and... Um, I think that's it. So I think it'll be an exciting three-point contest. I mean, if I'm if it's a shooting contest and you don't pick Steph Curry, what are you doing? Eh. Don't ah me. He's the best shooter of all time. He is, but you can lose. Yeah, but I, I mean, mean, hasn't he lost one before? <laughs> but at that point, you're just picking, yeah. you're just picking an, an, an odds-off favorite just because you're like, ah, you know, this guy's the best shooter, but like, I like this guy because, you know, he but, combed his hair different today. But he's lost before, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not a for sure thing, but like, he picked the favorite. He's, he's the favorite. He Honestly, to. I was going to go with Devin Booker. You can pick Devin Booker. That's fine. Because what, cause here's my, here's my um, thought process behind this. When you got guys who... Don't always well. Granted, he does get a lot of spotlight, but guys who may not be the favorites like Curry or um, or maybe even his brother, they it's, it's kind of like my mind. I got Seth winning the yeah, whole thing. It's kind of like they have something to prove, so they're gonna go a little bit harder and focus a little bit more. Steph is like, if I win, I win. Like if I don't, everybody still knows but, I'm the but best. But isn't that shooter. the best way to? Isn't that the best way to go at it though? When you when you're a shooter, depending yeah, on it's what your philosophy like, is, it's kind of like I have nothing to lose. Like if I lose this, people still know I'll pull up from forty and and hit the shot That's regardless. <laughs> Devin Booker's like, I'm gonna make a name for myself, even though we already know he's all these guys are pretty good shooters, but. You know, you you'd be surprised on this three point contest. So. All right, and for my dark horse, I'm I'm telling you now, Devin Booker will not win because he's a scorer. Yeah, he can shoot, but he can't put the ball on the floor. He can't, you know, set up a move before he takes his shot. I don't think guys like that really excel in, in things in these in the three point challenge. I think Chris Middleton, him this being his first All Star game and you know, potentially his only one because of the injuries and stuff like that. I think he's going to be too hyped up for the actual game to produce in this. So I'm going with Joe Harris. For one reason, all year the Brooklyn Nets have just been fighting, fighting, fighting. I love like I love what D'Angelo Russell is doing with that with that team, showing his leadership skills and things like that. I think Joe Harris is going to come out with that same mentality that they play, and he's going to want to go win. And I think he's going to be one of the guys who take it take it more serious than some of the other guys. I got him as my as my dark horse to win it. Don't don't disrespect Devin Booker. First of all, <laughs> hey, he won last year. I'm so I'm telling I'm telling you I'm telling you I don't think you could, I don't think you could do that that scorers um, argument because you got people like Kyrie that have won, and obviously uh, Eric Gordon. Like these, it's something about these guys that. Makes you think like they're already winning it. Like that's even events like this, bro. I feel like you really have to you, you have to want to win it. I just don't. I don't think Devin Booker will finish. Will pull it out. That's my my dark horse vote. Yeah, and I, and I like Joe Harris. Cool. All right, I got the guy who shoots with a golden arm. It's Steph Curry. <laughs> Or his brother Seth. I got one of the Currys winning. Do I need to write this down? <laughs> if you want to. I got, I got, I got Curry winning. All, All right, right, so Booker, Harrison, Curry. <laughs> Steph Curry. No, just put S. Curry. <laughs> no, you're not getting away with that. You're going to pick a name. I know, you say the whole thing. It's uh, Curry. 
All right, so Steph Curry. I didn't say that. <laughs> All right, uh, that'll do it for us here at uh, Somewhat Sports. And uh, that's episode five in the books. Wow. It's great. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm hoping that this uh, this one makes it to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If not, then I think the next one for sure will be on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify uh, regardless of whether or not we have our, our logo made or not, I think we should just get it on there and just get going. Um, so look for that. And we're hoping to build this whole thing out into just like a, a, a network, you know, where we have these podcasts and, you know, maybe some video feeds going forward. So I appreciate you sticking with us and, and hitting the play button on us, you know, and, and devoting some time to us. And hopefully we're going to just continue to keep growing and keep getting better at this whole podcast thing. Uh, and thank you again for for supporting us and, and listening to this this debauchery and this <laughs> mishmash we're putting on the uh, on the old tape. But and the, I just want to say the comments definitely help when we put them yeah. on all these platforms because it also helps us to improve on what we're doing and um, also tell us what, what you like to hear. So. Yeah, exactly, one hundred percent. The comments are always appreciated. Likes, follows. Uh, reviews, you know, if you hate us, uh, don't say that. Just say you <laughs> you find us. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Middling. That's the that's the bare minimum I'll accept. It's like not great, but not terrible. Okay, anything worse than that, don't put it on there. <laughs> you can message me directly if you want to talk smack to me. <laughs> I'm uh, at John Dennis Radio, J O N Dennis Radio on Twitter. So just just tweet at me and call me an, an idiot or something. But don't don't do it on the, <laughs> on the podcast app. All right. And uh, Bob, your uh, your Twitter handle. I'm not giving it up because if you tweet at me like that, you're getting blocked. <laughs> so, I didn't say I, I wasn't going to block him. No I'm just saying. I don't need no negatives like that. Right. Y'all know, underscore Bubs. It's uh, Y-A-L. Y-A-L. Yeah. K-L. Right. Because yeah. Bubby doesn't know how to spell, apparently. So y'all know Bubs on Twitter. John, have you made a Twitter yet? I have a Twitter. I haven't logged in. Listen. You said you forgot the password to it. You need to either make a new one Listen. or hit that forgot password button. We'll, we'll I'm getting just, tired of it. We'll use the podcast Twitter when it officially gets released. And then that way, if the negative negative comments do come, we all can face it as, as a team. <laughs> as a group collective. Yeah. There's strength in numbers, I think, right? Yeah. <laughs> but on Instagram, you can still follow me at jlwilliams5. There you go. That'll do it for episode five. Somewhat sports. We'll catch you next week.